0: And welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I welcome in Alexa Curtis, who is the founder and CEO of Life Unfiltered with Alexa, as well as the founder of the Be Fearless Summit, all in line with her goal and her mission to help teens around the globe become fearless you can check out all of her great work at lifeunfilteredwithalexa.com. I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. So without further ado, my chat today with Alexa Curtis. Let's get it started. Alexa, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Appreciate you being on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the reasons I want to have you on was we it seems like we have similar thought processes of you know our mission in life to really help out the younger generations. Well, for me it's a younger generation, it's your generation, I think. Uh, but you know, to be able to help out the younger folks and give them maybe a different perspective on how they could live their life versus maybe some of the things we saw growing up. So I'm I'm excited to dig into that. Into that. Do you mind starting off for folks maybe not familiar with you or anything? What what does life unfiltered mean? That's kind of your platform and, and some of the stuff you're doing. What does that mean to you?
1: Yes, so I started a blog back in 2011 that initially started as a fashion blog when I was 12. And over the past... 12, 10 plus years. I'm 22 now. I evolved it into this lifestyle platform, no longer on fashion, but on the basis of really being fearless and living life unfiltered. Uh, So along with the website, I had a show for the past year on Radio Disney called Fearless Every Day that was talking to kids around the country who were doing really amazing things. And that really inspired me to launch this a new kind of concept that teams up with colleges to host these pop-up summits. So that's called the be fearless summit. And so that is really my new biggest passion and and really goes along that line of inspiring young people to follow their dreams and hopefully guide them to towards figuring out what they want to do for a career while they're in college. Okay.
0: So I want to go back to back when you were 12, you started the blog. Do you ever go back and read that by the way?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. But it's so grammatically wrong. Like the grammar is so bad. But yeah, I mean, I think it's part of the journey is being able to be like, this is kind of amazing that this is what's happened in 10 years, never expecting it. But grammar wise, it's really bad. <laughs> so yes and no. Well,
0: it, it seemed like from at least some of the research and stuff I did, it, it spawned from you being bullied as you went yeah. into middle school. And that was kind of your outlet. My first question is, because I have an eight year old, and I'm always you know, concerned about this as he grows up. How did you know you were being bullied? I, I think a lot of kids maybe don't recognize um, that. How, how did you know that that was happening? Um, how did, I'm sure it may, didn't make you feel great. But can you just share a little bit more about that?
1: That's such a great question, and I would kind of preface the answer by saying that I think any young person who, and at the time I was in seventh grade, and I remember it, who shows any sign of difference, especially in the town that I had grown up in, is a super small town, it was a public high school, you know, we were all, it, it was kind of around the time when it was just like sweatpants and Uggs and it was very traditional. And so I really didn't come from anything. And along with that was trying to be into fashion and follow this dream that I had, which was writing at the time. And so that really obviously gave kids a reason right there is like, oh, if someone's different, we're going to target her or him, whatever. And that's so common with bullying because it's the easiest person to target. And so how I knew I was being bullied uh, I guess it kind of just happens. I mean, there was like certain situations, uh, anything from like the lunchroom, which was, I remember such a big anxiety of mine, uh, going to the lunchroom and like kids being like, don't sit here at this table, which then made me maybe other people like eat in the bathroom or the library because I didn't want to be around people because I was kind of scared of them. And then when I had started to really not become successful with my career, but even jump more into being in front of the camera, that was a reason that kids kind of really started to target me, whether it was like commenting on my website things. And at the time the website was nothing. It had like seven followers, just like not nice things. Uh, And then I transferred from public high school to online school, my going into my junior year of high school, really because I was still college bound. And from there, I kind of was able to look back and realize that I think one of the reasons that I was bullied is because I just was different and it didn't fit into the traditional mold of what so many people expect you to be like at 12 and 13. Uh, That's no excuse, but hopefully now from that experience, I can put that into the work that I do with young people to show them like, it's honestly really cool to be different. You don't want to be like everyone else.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned writing was kind of a passion of yours. How how did you uncover writing that, that you loved to write at that age?
1: Yeah, well, I started the blog because I had nothing else that I felt like I was good at. I pretty much was the classic, like fail out of school, constantly science, math. Uh, I was like brought into the principal's office. I was told that I had ADHD and ADD and all of these things. And so my sister actually gave me the idea and she was like, why don't you start a blog before the days of social media, Instagram wasn't even around because she just was like, you know, you're going to have to figure out something to do that doesn't make you miserable or that you're maybe good at. And so writing at the time for me became this really therapeutic outlet. And then when it actually, I was able to make it into a career initially by starting to pitch these magazines and online outlets and then start writing for them. I was like, oh, I actually really do like this. And I actually am really good at this and maybe I could get paid for it. And so it kind of just organically grew from there and became a true passion of mine.
0: I mean, historically, when you hear someone's been bullied, your confidence is low, You know, maybe you don't have the courage to do things. How did you have the, I guess, the confidence to put yourself out there online, reach out to magazines? Like, did you did you have a good support system around you? Did you have some mentors? Like, how did that all work?
1: Um, it's so funny. I, I think I've got kind of the anomaly. And people, I think, still to this day don't believe me. Like, I literally had no support. No one in my family is an entrepreneur. Uh, my father was actually in prison and my mom was raising me as a single mom um, for my entire childhood. But I have always had this mentality of like, I I never didn't care what people think. So it wasn't a matter of me being younger and being like, I don't care what people think. Of course, everyone at that age is very vulnerable and cares what people think. But I never cared about the response that I would get from someone via this platform like the internet I never took it seriously that people do in the sense of like if someone doesn't reply to their email or their job application like they think it's taken personally I never felt like that Uh, and I have I can't answer why it was just like a part of me and so rejection became this thing that was this fire that really continued to inspire me And the little yeses that I would get, like when I, I remember when I first went on the Today Show when I was 16, I think, and I had emailed them and found the producer's email online and I'd emailed them religiously for a year and I kept getting no and no. And then finally I got that yes. And then that fueled me from 16 to pretty much 20 to then get the show on Disney of like four years of no's and then it's like another yes. And so I always just had that mentality because I was able to constantly prove like every no becomes a yes, as long as you don't give up. And so I just never really like thought, oh, like, what does this person think of me? Or, oh, are they going to say no? Because I was like, I don't, I don't really care.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's fascinating to me, because most people from a rejection standpoint would have got one no and walked away. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Where did you come? I mean, where did you, I guess, come across that? Maybe it's more self-talk that you had to, to be able to be resilient like that and then keep going forward.
1: I wonder sometimes if it was part of my childhood of like the kind of the trauma that I had as a young kid and then really almost raising myself in a sense. Uh, And then, you know, going through high school and then starting this website and all of those things that shaped me into being able to be, and I use the word fearless because I guess I would describe myself as that fearless at that young of an age, but that doesn't mean that I haven't made incredible mistakes that other people wouldn't probably make at my age Or even their age, like, you know, some of the things that have happened have been absolutely um, insane. But that being said, I think that those experiences stemming from when I was a kid and just really raising myself on my own through so much of it uh, gave me that power to kind of take control of my life. Because I was like, I, I have two paths, and I can either go down a negative path and look at what happened to me as a kid and, you know, use substances or drop out of school and then not go back to school, or I can make it into something. And so writing became my best friend. And then I was able to start money from it, making money from it. And then I was able to get away from the negativity and focus on the positive things, which was my career.
0: Did you, you mentioned, you know, being raised by a single mother. Did, did she know that you were blogging and like writing stuff and putting it out there online?
1: Yeah, I get asked that a lot. Uh, So she did, and she was very against it. I have a really traditional mom and she's a lot older for, someone my age. Uh, So it wasn't like I was growing up with this cool, fun mom. And my sister had also kind of dipped her toes into the fashion industry when she was in college and ended up going down a really bad path. So growing up, my mom was so against it. I I was always lying to her like when I first got invited to Fashion Week and bought this bus ticket and went down and it was just things that I would never tell her. And then it wasn't honestly until I really, I think I got my show on Disney where I think she finally was like, oh, okay, maybe you are actually able to do this successfully. Because I think as a parent, especially not ever having been able to really financially support me to then see me go on this limb of being an entrepreneur where there's even less security as if I had gone to college or became a lawyer or something was uh, pretty shocking for both of them. But I-, I love that. I mean, I think that there's something so special about being able to prove yourself to people over and over. And it gives you the opportunity to constantly reinvent yourself.
0: Yeah. When did the... Um Maybe I'll call it an aha moment. You could have stayed in fashion, could have just done fashion to do this transition um, into more lifestyle, really helping a lot of the, again, the college or or youth um, kind of think differently. When did that happen? When did that idea originate?
1: had three aha ideas and I would also say I forgot in the last question like I moved out at 17 with like nine suitcases to New York and like lied to my parents and told them I was going for like a week I would not suggest any young people person do that I mean I lied to my parents they had no clue uh and so like don't do that so they weren't supportive of that in any capacity uh but but again that whole starving artist phase really kind of made me who I am but I would say the biggest moment for me with that pivot in the topics that I was talking about was when I was 16, I was trying to model and I suffered an eating disorder. And from there I wrote an article online on like a platform kind of similar to the Huffington Post. And I called it role model or run, my runway model. And I just got this flood of emails that kind of went viral from like kids in my high school and their moms being like, my daughter has an eating disorder or she's, at this time, Instagram was around. She constantly compares herself to girls on the internet. What, what advice would you say? And then about two years later, I was reached out to by Talkspace, which is an online therapy platform. Mm-hmm. And they were like, will you come and speak on this panel? will bring you to new york uh, cuz i think i was i was in connecticut I, I think for something at the time and so i went down and i appeared on this panel and then from there i walked away from this discussion on social media and mental health being like what can i do like this is really i think what matters to me is helping young people like i have no interest in fashion nor do i even find myself fashionable in that sense and so i decided to start this nonprofit and then it kind of snowballed from there and then once i got the disney show and and realized that that was this huge networks First chance to talk about mental health, and they wanted me to do it. uh, I really kind of decided that that was all I cared about was how to help young people, not only with mental health, but the littlest things of like not knowing what they want to do or not knowing who they have, like who their friends should be, or dealing with stuff with their family and um, and that kind of topic. Yeah,
0: so you mentioned eating disorder kind of in passing as you as you told that very passionate story. I got to ask the like. How the heck did you overcome that? Because that it can be detrimental for a lot of people.
1: It can be. And I uh, I don't think that I will ever fully uh, overcome it in the way that my mind isn't sometimes thinking like, and it, the eating disorder that I had was kind of specific. So it wasn't more like an anorexia bulimia. It was something called orthorexia. So it was this obsession with healthy eating. And modeling was the worst thing that I could have done. But I always go back to the purpose. And I hate that. The how to find your purpose and stuff is like thrown over the media and in ways and people throw books at you but if you're able to find something that truly drives you and wakes you up in the morning I thought that I wouldn't be successful in blogging and I would never have this show like I did on Disney. And so that's why I focused on modeling. And so when I was able to leave modeling and actually put all of my attention into writing, which was still at that time, like my biggest passion, that's when I was able to get myself back on track because the focus went away from the food and it went back to what I'm good at and what I love and what I do to this day. Uh, So if you're able to find your purpose and really what you love to do, then anytime those trials and those things of like, is this right? Or am I doing something wrong? Or even something like self-love, you always have your best friend, which is kind of for me, my career. Um, and so that's how I overcame it. But that doesn't mean that I every day wake up and I'm like, I love my body. I would be lying if I said that, but I no longer have to be like tracking every single thing that I'm eating to the like ninth degree, which is good that I'm not like that.
0: So the, so the disorder the, the, is you're actually eating too healthy
1: yeah it's so weird. so it's pretty yeah. much yeah an obsession and it and it goes a little bit into anorexia, but it's pretty much okay. an obsession with like constantly reading the ingredients. So it's almost like if you go to a restaurant, I remember I would never be able to eat something that I didn't know what was in it to the sense that like I was gonna have a panic attack because I didn't know how many calories were in it or if it was organic or if there was gluten or dairy and soy. And if you eliminate all of those food groups, gluten, dairy, soy, wheat, uh, sugar, you are now like pretty much eating air. And then it goes into, like, the obsession with the body image of now, like, you're able to restrict because you don't feel comfortable eating anything. Uh, so it's quite unique, but it's actually pretty, it's pretty common, and especially in this hmm. day and age of, like, everyone having access to being gluten-free or vegan. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people probably suffer with and maybe don't even realize it right now.
0: Yeah. What are what are some things folks can look at maybe if they feel like they're getting down that path? Are there, are there things you've uncovered, especially helping some other folks? Like maybe they're like, oh, made wait a minute, I'm I'm kind of going down that scary, you know, slippery slope.
1: Specifically with this eating disorder or all eating disorders?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I I I I am probably naive because I don't I don't know much about yep. eating disorders. So yes, you can take one or the other, I guess, however best to answer.
1: You know, I would answer that question by saying um, the thing about eating disorders and especially so common in a lot of young women is the obsession with comparing themselves to other people or never feeling good enough. And I go back to like my blog, even at the time where I was still so deeply insecure inside, the yeses that I was getting in my career and the excitement about that kind of pushed me to this focus that I had that wasn't on my body. Uh, But then when I would go on TV, I would still feel like, I would look at myself and be like, oh my God, you're so fat. Or like, why did you eat that day? And so uh, I would definitely say to avoid the obsession with social media. Uh, It wasn't the healthiest thing for me to constantly be on these TV segments that I kept getting myself on. And then I started making money from while dealing with this, because I would really self-critique myself. Mm -hmm. But the obsession with social media can fuel in ways that young adults don't know that eating disorder, because you're seeing so many different people and so many different beautiful girls and it's all their highlight reel. So the easiest thing to do is honestly tailor your feed, your social media feed, and fill it with girls who have all body types and all stretch marks and all curves. Uh girl or guy, you know, if you're a guy like athletes who are all different body types and eat all the different things. Uh and then you will realize that not everyone looks the way that the media portrays how people look and what you see on magazines. And then hopefully you can kind of self internalize the fact that you really are good enough because there's only one of you out there, right? Like no one else is going to be you and no one else can be this person.
0: If if I can transition, so how did the, uh, the radio Disney thing happen? That seems like a pretty big, you know, deal there. Um, growing up watching Disney, big fan of Disney. So how did that happen? What, what, what's the story there?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I moved to LA for three months with um, a now ex-best friend of mine from childhood. And we went there as pretty much a test. And I was like, I'm going to give myself three months. I was living in Boston at the time. Uh, I was about 18 or 19. And I was like, I'm going to give myself three months. Will you come with me? We can sublet you know, an apartment, whatever. And I'm going to see if anything happens. So then I've crossed all of these cities off on my bucket list. Um, And so I went there and I had simultaneously written an email, I think in like October to like 600 producers, 400 producers, sorry, that I saw on an email list online. And I got one reply from someone at Disney. And along the same time I had gotten, I guess the word is scouted by a manager at a pretty big talent firm who had seen me on this TV segment. And so I went in and met with them and was like, you know, if you pick me up as a client, um, I've got this opportunity with Disney and I don't know what's going to happen, but they replied to my email. And so from the course of... December of 2018 to like, June of 2019. uh, They said yes to the show. And then they said no to the show. And then they said yes, again, in June, and then the show finally premiered in August. And that was their first show on talking to kids about a range of different topics. But that being said, I went into a company like Disney being an adult, like a full fledged adult where I'm able to drink and I'm able to, you know, live alone and do things that a lot of people don't do or expect when you're watching a platform like Disney so I learned a lot in that year but I walked away from it having only signed a one-year contract with them uh feeling like I wanted to not have to have that filter on myself that they had you know put on me that they usually put on 12 and 13 year olds who don't know necessarily what's going on in the world in the way that I think at that time that I knew too much about the world and, and wanted to talk about deeper things.
0: Any advice from more from that producer side, you're kind of the behind the scenes that if folks are looking at saying, Hey, I want to get picked up by someone, or I love, you know, the the aspect of that, they should watch out for anything in particular from a contract standpoint, maybe it's from, you know, something else.
1: (laughs) So much. Um, there's, there's so much. And that was interesting because I was able to be the talent for that show because it was fearless every day by Alexa Curtis. And I also was producing it. So that was something for me that I completely had not done before there's, I don't even know where to start. I would say uh, the number Pick one, the one
0: that's the most painful.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the, I mean, the legal, the legal thing is a huge thing. Uh, I would say that I, I talk to a lot of young people and now having been in this industry for so long and everyone wants a manager and they want the success and they want the big yes. And what I would say to you is um, I don't really think that anyone needs any type of manager or publicist or anything until they really are at that level where they have something to offer. Now, that being said, everyone all the time has something to offer, but you get to a point where I had gotten to, where I've now been doing this for four years and I've been on this, these insane TV segments, having done them all on my own. And now when I was sitting with this manager who was like, okay, there's something there, I had proved it. You going on one TV segment or having one viral video I hate to say it, but like, you're not, you're not there. Like what? Okay. Everyone can have a viral video, right? Anyone can do this, but what have you proved to yourself over that period of time? So I had for, years before that, been constantly pitching networks like Disney and emailing them and whatever, and no one replied. So for whatever reason that happened, the things that I had been able to show for the three years I had done that weren't necessarily something huge, like I wasn't on a big show or anything. It was just a bunch of different things and different speaking opportunities. I now had something to bring to the table. So I am so lucky that I went into that show having a huge lawyer behind me that my manager had found, having a manager... Because if I had done it, and it all comes down to timing, a year before, I would have gotten completely—I hate to say the word—fucked. Like they would have fucked me over so hard, I would have signed my life away. And I—you already kind of do when you join a network like that. But having a lawyer and stuff, uh, things that I didn't even realize I needed, were incredibly crucial. And then also, I think it's important to to uh, say so many things, like I said. But uh, never giving up. I mean, I had emailed so many people for so many years, and I finally got one yes from them. Uh, and then also timing and then um additionally to that it's I had so many people uh constantly telling me that my social media numbers were too low and that I wasn't going to be able to be anything because I wasn't a celebrity and how can I give you a show if you're not anyone and then I got someone at Disney to take a chance on me solely because they were seeing me and not the fact that I don't have a million Instagram followers I mean it wasn't like I wasn't anyone But I still don't have a million Instagram followers. And I think it's really important that young people realize that it is not about the following as much as people make it, but more what you bring to the table. Because you could have a million Instagram followers and get picked up by a network like Disney and have no clue how to conduct yourself in a meeting or on an interview or on an email. And they're going to drop you quicker than they picked you up because if you can't be good at business it goes hand in hand. Um, and that was a very long answer, but there's so many other things. Like I feel bad even ending it there because there's so many things. Oh gosh.
0: Well, let's, we might have to do another part two and just- I know, now. <laughs> oh boy.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but nonetheless, I mean, I think it goes back to some of those things you'd mentioned as you kind of learned a, a little bit and then ultimately you had to, you know, probably make some adjustments and on the fly um, as you went forward with it. I, you, you've, talk, you've mentioned this several times through our conversation already about anxiety, insecurity, those type of things. How have you, maybe more recently, you mentioned the support systems, maybe not there as much when you're younger, but how have you dealt with a lot of that from a, a, a mental health standpoint? I, I don't know, is it therapy? Do you have mentors now? Do you have, like, Who do you lean on? How do you work through that? Um, I saw you do some meditation online, so that maybe that's part of it, you know. But like, talk me through a little bit of how that works uh, for you, you know, personally.
1: I've suffered with mental health my whole life, and I think I know so many successful entrepreneurs. Not to put myself in the category of a successful entrepreneur, but I think that there is a pattern of a lot of people whose brains are perhaps wired in different ways uh, that deal with. Pretty severe levels of anxiety or depression and 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 whatnot. Uh, so I started struggling with my mental health, both anxiety and depression, starting about when I was sixteen. And so I started going to therapy. And no, that support system for my entire childhood really wasn't there. And it wasn't up until I was about eighteen, and I really started hanging out with like older people and going to new events and stuff, where I was able to create this network of people for myself that I had waited for for so long that people usually have in high school or middle school. And then also on top of that, I started a podcast two years before I got the Disney show where I started talking to huge founders all the time and just so many walks of life, people that have become some of my really good friends to this day. So I never had a mentor and I still don't have a mentor. Uh, but everyone that I know has a mentor. I don't know why I never had a mentor, but I have had so many mentors and so many different conversations from interviewing people for now four years to the fact where like, I don't need one person I can email and be like, is this a good business decision? Because I have 300 people that I know that I could like just reach out to for a range of different things. Um, so I don't, I can't speak to the mentor thing because I've never had one, but I think having spoken to so many people and you, I mean, you have a podcast, you know, the same thing for so long. It's like, you're constantly picking up pieces of mm-hmm. pieces of feedback. Uh, and so now uh, I, I have been in therapy. I honestly haven't gone for the past like year because my insurance kind of switched, not year, but about six months. Uh, but I was in therapy for about three years, still planning to go back. I don't know why I like, haven't put it at the top of my list. Um, headspace is a huge thing for me uh, I take every Sunday off of social media like I delete Instagram off my phone that's changed my life and also knowing like when I'm getting really burnt out or when I'm getting really depressed and being able to know the triggers I think that I didn't realize as a young kid uh, it can be the smallest things especially having moved to LA and being in this super fake city now that's something someone can say and it can kind of spiral me, honestly, into a really negative path. And I know now like what those words are in sentences. And I know how to get myself back out of feeling more depressed or anxious.
0: What what are, I'm just curious, what are some of those things?
1: It's interesting. And you know, I, I was dating this guy who I met at my office, my New York office, who's also an entrepreneur. And uh, I, I ended up ending it. It was like right when COVID kind of started happening. And what ended up happening is he constantly was saying this, this hustle culture. And it was getting to a point where like I have moments where I get really confused or frustrated, or I have had a lot of rejection. And it does get to me sometimes. And so constantly being around people that are like, are you hustling? Or like, are you doing enough or like, it's a Sunday, like, get up and work. No, like, I need the weekend to not do anything. Uh, it gives me a lot of anxiety to like be around people who are constantly working and not also like relaxing but to them that's they love it and it's not that I don't love my job I love my job but I also need to like be young and 22 and like breathe sometimes so that's a thing and then also uh the conversation surrounding numbers and social media I don't think that'll ever go away for me until I have a million Instagram followers uh but constantly having people being like what are you doing like you don't have a million Instagram followers as someone who has worked so hard and and done so much Uh, And proved it to like the parents who follow me because they're the ones watching like the Today Show. To then have people in the industry constantly be like, well, till you have a million Instagram followers, like you're nothing. Uh, that's a trigger for me. And so I kind of avoid going out in groups or like to parties and stuff that are only influencer or like TikTok star parties. Because sure I might meet someone there who's great, but also I don't need to then become depressed for five days because I know, like I feel now insecure for something that is so unnecessary. Uh, so I would yeah. say those pop two.
0: Yeah. The, the follower thing is really interesting and it's not to your point earlier, it's not how many followers. I mean, we, no. I think we all know that now it's the, the follower number doesn't matter. It's how you're engaging with the, the followers you do have Yeah. Right? and the content you're putting out and, and the goodwill. I think, you know, I think that I, I'm a big on positivity and optimism. I think that wins um, ultimately, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, if you're, if you're just trying to shoot for a number, it's just trying to like, you know, Hey, I want to make a certain amount of money. You start forgetting all the other things that come with it that actually make it a, uh, a success.
1: Yeah. And it's so interesting. Cause I have so many friends, especially in LA who have millions of Instagram followers and are coming to me like how to make a living. Cause I make a living off of it, not just Instagram, but the summit and the podcast. And it's like, why to the public is it like, you have a million Instagram followers and now you've made it when it's actually like, it's the opposite that can almost hurt you in the long run, because I'm a huge believer in like slow and steady growth. And if you get viral or become like a Logan Paul, look how quick he came down because of how quick he went up with that one video. And now it's like, where even is he? Um, so it's like, I don't want to be 30 and be a multimillionaire and like have screwed everything up because of one thing that I said, or like you know, one video that didn't need to go viral that did, um, because you'll just get forgotten about. So it's like, how can you dip your toes in things that really make an impact and help people to the fact that like, when they're 30, if you're 30, they're going to be like, in 2011, Alexa told me like, follow my dreams. And this is what happened to her. And this is how she got this show versus like, here's how to dance on TikTok. I mean, unless that really empowers people, I just I wanted more depth. And I don't think that going viral is the way to get that.
0: Well, I, I, you're right. Slow and steady wins the race. You know, Gary V talks about this all the time. You know, I, I've been following him for a lot of years. It's that yeah. whole thing of like, actually, you know, we were talking about our friend Dylan earlier that was on the podcast a little while ago. Like, you know, that's, that's what he talks about a lot is how do you actually build the momentum over time? It's not that quick win, but it's actually being sustainable because yeah, you, as you know, you're young when you get, you know, eight years is a long ways away when you're 30. Um, what do you, what, what are you going to stand for it then? And how are people going to look at you as a person? I think that's so much more important than you know, a quick following right now or a quick viral video.
1: Yeah. So important. So important. Cause it's like, what do you have? I mean, and it's the thing is I always tell people and people forget. And especially now, I think also because I started this in 2011 before Instagram wasn't even a thing. So even though I'm only 22, I didn't grow up with this perspective of like, what can I do right now to get famous right now? I grew up having to actually like use my brain to make a business out of it. And it's hard. It's really hard all the time. It's hard. Um, but that being said, I have this mentality of like actually seeing business people versus influencers or social media people who are not necessarily business people like a Gary Vee or like a Dylan. They're just there to post a picture. And that's, that's a difference. That's not necessarily a business, um, to just post a picture or whatever, unless you really have created a business for yourself, like a business model, it's different.
0: What are you excited about the next couple of years as you as you go into your mid-20s?
1: Oh, good question. Um, Well, my end goal was always to have a show, like a network talk show. So um, that show ended with Disney last September. And I look forward every day to getting like another email that's like, I'll take a meeting with you. Like, here's the next thing. Um, So that hopefully would love this summit program that I started. I would love to host like 10 of them and then maybe sell it to like a Target or a Kmart or even like some type of organization to do it on their own and then kind of have it at all different colleges because that's a lot of work um and then on a personal note i think just getting to a point of feeling like comfortable with the success that i've had but also constantly being able to like remind myself that um there's always more instead of getting so stuck in like either a moment of like rejection or frustration for example even that that Disney show ended like things like that getting more used to the ebb and flow because as an entrepreneur it's never straightforward it's constantly adjusting to the fact that like it will never go as planned and it will work out better but those moments of like where it's like oh my god this is never going to work uh getting used to that because that that's still hard Uh, it's still very hard sometimes when things do go wrong or you get that Know that you were waiting on I remember last year I had pitched a show uh, to a really big production company and for six months uh, this was when Disney ended Um, they made me wait and they kept coming back and then I got that no again and I was like how does this happen again like six months because I'm so straightforward like I would just say no to someone but realizing in entertainment as I get older that like that's part of it and then also like if you compare yourself to people like Ellen or Oprah, which is people I compare myself to, or Michelle Obama, so many of these people didn't get super successful until they were like 40, 45, like X, Y, Z. Uh, and so you don't have to be super successful by 30. It's not about the age. It's more about the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it goes back to if you're sharing your message and the thing that you're passionate about, but that, you, you know, where you actually kind of love each and every day. I think that comes out in the content you put out and the things that you do, right? If you're fake, people can pick that up. People aren't, people aren't idiots, you know? So I, I think that's, you know, again, you keep doing what you're doing. You're, you got a long, long way ahead of you, right? You're you got a lot of years there. Um, on, on that note, so you don't have to go back this far because you're only 22, but the young, the youth, let's go with someone that's maybe getting out of high school or maybe in high school thinking about this whole thing of like, what the heck am I going to do with my life? I'm not sure. What have you, what piece of advice would you share with them? I always like to, to have the caveat of like, you only have a post-it note, very quick, concise. What is like the number one piece of advice you'd give someone um, to help them on their journey?
1: I always say experiment slash get uncomfortable. Like it's great to spend hours scrolling through social media thinking that's how you're going to find your purpose or reading a million different books. That's great. But I didn't realize how much of an impact until I got older, the little things that I was doing, like the internships or the emails that I was writing. And at that time, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Testing out TV, testing out modeling, all these different things. And then I got that moment when I was 18 and I started it when I was 12, right? It wasn't like when I was 12, I was like, I'm going to inspire people for a living, Uh, I had years there to figure it out. And so by constantly trying things and getting uncomfortable, you learn so many different things about yourself to then when you're in an elevator with someone who you want to be your boss or like who's incredibly inspiring to you, you're now not scared of what they're gonna think of you. You're like, this. I know what this person's gonna think of me because I'm a badass and like, here's my business card. And it's always kind of like, as a young person, what is your elevator pitch? Even if you don't have anything on your resume, what do you have to bring to the table? Even if it's something as small as I'm good at math to, I started this business and I made a million dollars at 18 and now I'm going to sell it. Like you all have something to bring to the table, but you have to figure out what it is by learning about yourself.
0: Sound advice and more people need to hear that. Well, it's, yeah. I, I've tried to preach, you know, something like that for a while to a lot of folks around. You have to get in the dirt and you have to actually start playing around. You can't just not that bu- and books. I think are really good. I've actually read <laughs> I've actually read more probably in the last two years that I've ever oh, yeah. read in my life. But it's taking what you learn in the books and then trying to apply that to yeah. to other things that you try out and, and figure out. So I think that's that's great advice. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Anything else? You're anything else going on? Anything else to before we uh, end this?
1: Um, I don't think so. I feel like I really opened up. You're excited
0: to, the, what's the pandemic obviously has been a massive. I don't
1: know know when this is going to air. Like if it's in six months, is like, is the world going to be different by then? Um, but yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm Well, the one thing I wanted to ask was real more around the summit because you started this thing and now it seems like obviously some of that stuff's on hold.
1: Yeah. And like I said, uh, when you asked me the question about um, what advice or something I would give or, or, oh, or what I'm excited about, I'm excited to get more uncomfortable in the, like, deeper stuff of, like, I never expected to have, you know, I, I spend probably $15,000 on a summit. Um, and the first one was an insane amount of money and that is not all money that I have. It is money that I have maybe like half put on a credit card that I got a grant for that I had sponsors pay for. And so in March, when I found out that that had to be canceled, like, this is not like, I, I mean, I have a team, but it's all young girls. Like I pay them all, but it's not like I've, I've got this, you know, CEO from the head of Nike working for me. And so I, I really had to take a moment there and just be like, how, not only like, how did this happen, but how can I feel comfortable with the fact that things like this are constantly going to happen when I'm an entrepreneur? That was a little bit deeper, right? Because that's a huge production. Um, and so now we've able, I finally been able to find like a date to do it virtually, which is going to be September 26th, but that's now a whole other thing. It's now like, okay, now I spent all the money that went for that summit and I still owe these sponsors back their credit and the speakers. And like, I don't even know how to host a virtual platform, but that's almost the kind of exciting thing, right? Is that you never know what's going to happen. And that goes back to being constantly uncomfortable because otherwise, like I don't want to work a desk job. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. Uh, I love this, like living on the edge, but it's cool if you can live on the edge and the thrill of it and also be successful and make a living off of it. That's the best part. Um, So I I guess it's like, as a business owner, it's kind of the pivot. It's like, how do you bounce back from the things that are really hard to bounce back for and then prove it to the people around you?
0: Yeah. And what's the summit going to be about? Any, any details there?
1: Yeah. So the first one was at Drexel. And then the next one was supposed to be April 1st of this year at UC Berkeley. And it pretty much uh, had a lineup of speakers. Um, like the first one had like Headspace is our sponsor. One of the founders spoke. Um, Shake Shack, makeup companies, like super cool things. Um, And so this one, the v, it was pretty geared towards tech. So there was like tons of panels about VC and getting funded. And it was the head of Lucasfilm, which is like a huge uh, production company. And she was our keynote. And then there was panels in the afternoon, like big mental health figures and entrepreneurs and people on social media. And so that whole schedule uh, is getting altered now because I think the world has shifted so much. And now I don't, it's completely open to the world at this point, the summit, it's not just for college students. So I've had to rework that schedule. And I don't know everyone right now who's going to speak. But that that existing schedule is still on the website. Uh, So you can kind of get a sense from there if you want to know like the types of speakers we have. Um, But yeah, I should have a better sense of like who it's actually going to be speaking probably by like early August.
0: That's awesome. Well, I love your energy you you got a lot of excitement in you and it seems like you got a lot going on. So um, I I, I enjoyed chatting with you. I appreciate you coming on and uh, and sharing a lot of your journey.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and for having such a great podcast. I love um, any entrepreneur with a podcast. I think it's great to continue to spread your message too.
0: I hope you all enjoyed that interview and thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along on your day. You know, this podcast has grown very organically since I started it over two and a half years ago, so anything you can do to share this episode out to your network, or maybe go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review, um, anything you can do at all, I'd certainly be appreciative of it. Um, if you'd like to connect with me online, my website, brianandreco.com, or head over to Instagram or LinkedIn and Twitter, at brianondraco, or type my name, Brian Andreco, and it'll come up. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.